want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25. And you have a uh, copy of my notes for tonight. And um, it's a little bit on the order of what we did last Wednesday night when I gave you about 50 little quotes. This is not as many tonight. This is really a, giving you a, a cheap version of uh, some of them. But I uh, thought that there were some mighty good things here I wanted to share with you. So these are um, uh, thoughts of wisdom collected, you know, over the years. And my wife got some of them, too. And so I, I steal from her. I, I steal from everybody, you know. If there's nothing new under the sun. There's no sense me wasting my life trying to be an original. So I just copy, copy, copy. But look at number one. If I am at war with myself, I can bring little peace to my fellow friend. You've got to have peace in order to sow peace. You see, you have to have the seeds to sow, and we're supposed to sow. So the Bible tells us that we sow the seeds. So you've got to have some seeds to sow. If you sow love, you're supposed to reap love. You sow joy, you reap joy. Whatever you sow, you're supposed to reap. Now, there's other people sowing other things, too. So some, once in a while, you'll, you'll reap some of their anger. But at times, you might sow a little anger, and you can sow bitterness. You can sow envy. You can sow jealousy. You see, you can sow the works of the flesh, and you can sow the fruit of the Spirit. You can sow a lot of different kinds of things, and they're seeds that grow. So if you want good things down the road, learn to sow good things today. But here in Proverbs, and I wanted to back it up, not just from verse 28, but look at a couple verses before that. But look in verse 19. Verse 19. Confidence, confidence is an unfaithful man in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Would you like to run a race with a foot out of joint? I don't think you would. And have you ever had a toothache? You ever broke off a tooth? You ever had the nerve endings? Take a drink of hot, something hot or something cold and just send you up a wall? Well, Depending on someone that's not faithful is like that. That's why one of the greatest things you'll ever learn is learning to be faithful, dependable. You give your word, and you, what do you do? You keep it. <laughs> you give it, and you keep it. This is what he's talking about. So he says here in the, the other verse I want you to look at, look down in verse 25. Verse 25, as cold water, cold water to a thirsty soul... So is good news from a far country. Do you know there's a lot of people thirsty in this old world? So the Lord has given us some springs of living water. And so as we go throughout the world, we just got some nice, fresh, living water for everybody. And it's, it's like good news from a far country. And so that's why the gospel is this good news. And uh, it came all the way from heaven. So God has a, a message he wants us to, to share now look in verse 26. You see, Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings. It's got a lot of wisdom in it. And we say the word Proverbs, pro and verbum. It means more than meets the eye. You can read it, but it has also another meaning that can be understood. So he says here, a righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. A righteous man should always seek to do righteous. 
But if you go to the wrong spring and you get the wrong stuff, it's going to take its effect upon you. A righteous man should learn things from the Lord. Seek godly counseling. Righteous men. Hang around the right kind of people, doing the right kind of things, and it will make a difference in your life. Then he says in verse 27, it is not good to eat much honey. Now, it's good to eat honey. Honey is good for you. But have you ever had too much honey? Too much honey will make you nauseated. It's just like in anything. In moderation, some things are very good, but you get too much of it. One time when I was going to Florida Bible College, somehow or other, they must have just come out with this thing called onion rings. Anybody ever have an onion ring? Well, they just came out and started serving onion rings. This was way back, a long time ago. Well, I, um, I got some onion rings, and I, boy, I liked them. I told Betty, I said, honey, you make me these things. So she made me some onion rings. Man, I loved them. I just eat them onion rings, and then I said, honey, make me some so I can, when I go to work, I can have them in a sack, and I just, I'll just eat those things. God, I run a laminating machine. I'll just eat those onion rings. And they were so good. She had it nice and crusty and so forth. But you put them in a sack, and so forth, after a while, they get soggy. I don't like soggy onion rings, but I'd eat them things. After a while, I got to where I said, honey, don't make me no more onion rings. I can't stand onion rings. And today, I might eat one or two off of somebody else's plate, but I never order any onion rings. One of the reasons, Betty won't let me have them. <laughs> and two, she, she gives me that look. Uh, show them how you do your eyebrows, honey. <laughs> Look, look, look over there, show them your eyebrows. <laughs> when she does that, that means you better not. So there's a point where some things are good, but you can get too much of something, and then it can make you sick. And so he says here in verse 27, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. So for men to search their own glory. In other words, if you seek your own glory, after a while, you're going to get sick of it, and so will others. Do you ever get tired of listening to somebody brag about how great they are? You never heard anybody like that. But, you know, you can take a little bit of anything from anybody. Obviously, you can endure anything for a short period of time, but sometimes enough is enough. It's like telling humor. People love humor, but you can get too much of it, and then it turns you off. So just... Learn to be appropriate. But verse 28 is the verse I really want you to look at. Because it says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. It means you don't have any defense. If you can't control your own spirit, you can't control your own attitude. This is why I've told the college kids, a person that's governed by moods won't be used and they can't be faithful. Because you're governed by the mood you're in. Instead of, regardless of what mood you're in, it should not affect your character or your behavior. You should always still do right. And some people are up here, and then they're down here. Up here. And, and if this is, the, this is normal, when some things happen, some people go way up there. But when something bad happens, they go just as far below the line as they went above the line. So you learn how not to over-respond to anything good or anything bad. Learn to be content and just keep getting up. And so um, 
Look at number one again. If I am at war with myself, I can bring a little peace to my fellow friend. Look at number two. Doing nothing is the most tiresome job in the world because you can never quit and rest. Now, don't read the next one. Don't sit there and read these in advance because that's not where I'm at. You're following me. I'm the teacher. You're following me. I'm giving you the points as I want you to see them, all right? So I know that you'll honor me on that. But I want you to take your Bible all the way back here to Genesis in chapter 3. Genesis in chapter 3. Now we know that Adam and Eve had sinned against God. Of course, you know, Adam blamed God because he made that woman. I mean, it's not Adam's fault. He didn't make the woman. God made that woman. And, and, and God made her so beautiful that whatever she did, well, he just followed, you know, like a little puppy. And so, um, and, and so God cursed the woman. But when he did this, he, uh, he, 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 cursed, he cursed the ground. Look in verse 17. Verse 17 says, And unto Adam he said, Because, because, thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hath eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. And the next three words, you ought to underline, because for thy sake, for your benefit. He cursed the earth for the benefit of man. Do you realize if man did not have to work for a living, how bored he would be? So God has designed this old world not to produce like it did in the garden. He put a curse upon it. And he put briars and thorns and thistles and so forth. And then said in verse 19, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. In other words, you're going to have to work for a living. So ever since that day, God has blessed man by forcing him to work. And that's a good thing. And that's why at number two there... Doing nothing is the most tiresome job in the world. The worst thing in the world is to live a life of boredom, not to have something to do. To learn to work and have that creativity and accomplish something. To sweat, to work. It's a great thing. And that is not a curse. It's really a blessing. But we have raised a generation of people that <laughs> they don't want to work. They want you to work. And just make it easy for them. Bernie Sanders is doing a good job harnessing all of this. Number three, look in your notes there. Rest not from labor, but rest in it. Then turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew in chapter 11. Sometimes we think the greatest thing is to have nothing to do. Well, there's times when we like to have nothing to do. But one of the things that I have really enjoyed at this stage of my life is having so much to do. I'm having a, as much fun as a barrel of monkeys. I mean, I enjoy living by schedule. And, buddy, I do live by schedule. I've got just about every day of my life is scheduled. Every hour just about. But I love it because I've got something to do. And having something to do is a wonderful, wonderful thing, especially if you know that what you're doing is a good thing, if it's an honorable thing, if it's a, a godly thing. 
But notice what he says here in verse 28. He says of chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He didn't say stop. He didn't say don't do something. He says, because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. In other words, without the Lord and without a purpose, you can work and labor and wear yourself out and not accomplish anything. You can have activity and little productivity. So you learn how to rest while you work. And resting while you work is when you begin to enjoy your work. When you enjoy doing what you're doing. If you don't enjoy doing what you're doing, it becomes labor. And it's very difficult sometimes. And then you don't want to get up in the morning. There's times when that clock goes off. <laughs> and I want to take a sledgehammer to it or throw it across the room. But I'm a Christian. I can't do that. I've already decided before it went off in the morning, i got to get up. And um, one day... The alarm goes off, and I thought, oh, no, i got to get up. And Betty says, Yankee, you got to get up. I says, why? we got to go to church. I says, honey, we went yesterday. <laughs> it, was, it was yesterday. And she was trying to get me up to go to church again the next day. And so sometimes, you know, you get so used to it, you just have it, have it, have it, have it, get up. But it's uh, interesting. But look at number four. In witnessing, don't hurry, don't worry. Do your best. A poor presentation of the gospel is better than no presentation of the gospel. And do your best and leave the rest to the Lord. Now look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. This is a good verse. This is a good thing to know. Because you can become very weary in the work. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, look in verse 5. He makes a statement here in verse 5. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed. Because they brought the gospel, they heard, they believed. Even as the Lord gave to every man. See, God gave to every man the truth of God. Everybody saved because somebody reached them. Now, whether or not he's really referring to them in reality or only using them as an example because over in chapter 4 he said that he did that and uh, was referring to them in verse 6 of chapter 4. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written for, or that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. So that's why he refers to them. Now whether it was really them that he's talking about is another thing. But now notice what he says here in verse 6 of chapter 3. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You and I can plant and water, but can you save a soul? You can't save anybody. I've had some kids get up and they get up and ranch. Oh, I want to thank Yankee for saving me. I, well, no, I, I didn't save you. We gave you the gospel. It's the Lord. You trust the Lord as your Savior. So you understand that. But whenever you're in a work 
together. We are laborers. See that in verse 9? We are laborers together with who? You're working with the Lord. And you're carrying His yoke. And if He has His head in the one and yours in the other, you just let Him do the pull and you just enjoy the ride. Just faithfully do what God asked you to do. And then He says here in verse 7, now, he that planted and he that watered are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So you are to labor for the Lord, but you're supposed to enjoy doing what God wants you to do. Now, we don't always walk around with a smiley face on our face. I know there's some when it's hard and difficult and there's a lot of stress. And uh, so those times will come. Look at number five. Number five. To carry worry to bed is to sleep with a pack on your back. I've used this illustration before. Here's a person up, you know, they walk in here and they got a backpack. You ought to see some of these college kids. They walk, they're all walking around like, you know, they're, they're, they're Muslims with explosives in the back. But if, if you came to church and you've got all these burdens, all these problems, and you come down here and say, I'm going to give the Lord all my problems. And so you dump that backpack down there and, oh, that feels so much better. I just cast all my cares upon the Lord. Whew, feel so much better. Then you get up and put the backpack on and walk back out with it. You ever heard that little song called, Take your burdens to the Lord. Do what? And leave it there. And some people don't leave it there. I had a person tell me one time, says, I just don't know if God will forgive me. I said, all you got to do is just mention it to him. He said, I done done it a thousand times. I said, that's 999 times too many once. And so some people just don't learn to leave it with the Lord. And so they worry, worry, worry. And like I said the last time, if God never slumbers and sleeps, there's no sense both of us staying awake all night long. And never think that your problems are too big, God can't solve, or too little that you don't want to embarrass Him by giving Him something so little to do. I mean, God's busy, you know. God's so busy, He don't have time. You cast all your cares upon the Lord. But look at number six. Number six, this is maturity. To be able to stick with a job until it is finished. To be able to hear an injustice without wanting to get even. And to do one's duty without being supervised. Now in 2 Timothy in chapter 3, when he talks about that from a child thou hast, thou hast known the holy scriptures, that are able to make thee wise in the salvation, and they're all scriptures given by inspiration of God. That the man of God can be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So God wants a child to become a man. That means you can handle spiritual responsibilities. So look at this statement again. To be able to stick with a job till it's finished. Finish what you start. You do something, commit yourself, get it done. To be able to bear an injustice without wanting to get even. Not everything is going to be fair in life. Unless you get all the Democrats to make everything equality and level that playing field and everything got to be fair. It's got to be fair. Life is not fair and God doesn't mean for it to be fair. God wants to give every man rewards according to his labor and God wants to bless a man here and he reaps what he sows. So it's not fair compared to what somebody else has or don't have. You, you just do what you can do with what you're supposed to and let God take care of the rest of it. But we're always trying to make people you know, bend to my will and take care of me. No, that's not what God's worth talking about. 
Look at number seven. How men treat us will make little difference when we know we have God's approval. John chapter 8 and verse 29 where Jesus says, I do always those things that please my Father. I do always those things that please Him. So that's what He was about. So men treat us with little difference when we know we have God's approval or how men treat us. Is it more important in your life that you become a people pleaser or a God pleaser? Isn't there a verse somewhere in the Bible that talks about do we now seek to please God or men? Look at the verse because it's so important. Look in Galatians in chapter 1. The book of Galatians in chapter 1. He's already said there in verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, which is not the, the gospel, but they want to change the gospel and they trouble you and they worry you. And they pervert the gospel in verse 7. Then he says down here in verse 9, As we said before, so say I now again, If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. In other words, there's only one gospel on how to get a man to heaven. All people have been saved by grace and grace alone. Nobody gets to heaven by their goodness. Nobody earns their way to heaven. It is the free gift. And so he says, as he talked to them, because now some legalistic Judaizers come down from Jerusalem and taken these people that Paul had led to the Lord and infiltrated and started trying to get them back under the law. And he says, where is this joy that you used to have? And so he says in verse 10, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That's a very important point. You either have to make up your mind as a child of God, not to get to heaven. Either you are going to seek to please God or please man. If you seek to please man, then you will have your reward from man. And they will give you the praise and the honor and the glory, and it's all temporary until you mess them up. But if you seek to please God, you'll have to wait until you get there, and God is going to reward you richly, greatly. So he says it's important. I should not be the servant of Christ if I seek to be a pleaser of men. And Jesus says, I do always those things that please my Father. So it's a good thing to keep in mind and try to do. Put the Lord first. Look at number eight. Great victories come not through ease, but by fighting valiantly and meeting hardships bravely. So turn to 2 Timothy. This is a good scripture to look at. Remember the other night I made a statement about there's two ways to get to the top of a, an oak tree. One, you can sit on an acorn. And two, you can climb the tree. Now, one will take a little work. But the other one doesn't take any work at all. All you got to do is just sit on an acorn. Now, which way do you think you'll get to the top of an oak tree faster? And where in the Bible, or I should say, doesn't in the Bible work Come before success? Or does success come before work? See, a lot of people, they want success, but they don't do the work to get it. They want a six-foot splash in a six-inch mud puddle. They want to wear the medals, but they don't want the battles. So you want the victories, then you're going to have to have a war. You're going to have to fight. But you notice in 2 Timothy in chapter 2, uh, these two verses I want you to look at. 
when he says in verse 3, Thou, therefore, endure hardness as what? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, God could take away the hardness and just let it be easy, but that's not what he said. Endure hardness as a good soldier. In verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. The reason some people can't serve God because they don't have any time. They've committed all their time to doing whatever they want to do. And when they get to heaven and stand before the Lord, and God says, it's time to give account. Now, why didn't you serve me? Like, well, Lord, I didn't have any time. Do you realize how much I had to do? And it won't matter what you say. God's the one that knows how much time he gave you. You made choices. And you're the one that you can load your life down with things that won't amount to a hill of beans a hundred years from now. Or you can put God first. So he says, No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. So God's chosen us to be a soldier. And we're the one that decides whether or not we're going to endure hardness, or we're going to seek to please the Lord, or we're going to become entangled with this world that we can't do God's work. This is what you have to do. Look at number nine. A smooth sea never made a skillful sailor. See, you want to be skillful? Oh, then you're going to have to have some storms of life. And so the scripture here is, well, tribulation worketh what? Patience. Patience is a great quality that God wants us to have in our life. So God is able to use the tribulations of life to produce something in our life. So God is going to allow you, insist upon you, to have tribulations. And that's why he says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Somebody told me one day, he says, what's a divers' temptation? I said, well, I could give you a, what I believe it is. And they said, you don't know what it is? I said, yeah, I know what it is. He says, it's uh, mermaids. <laughs> I said, what? Divers' temptations is mermaids. Now, I had never thought about that. All of a sudden, that, now, whenever I read that scripture, every time I say those words, I think of that. <laughs> and you will too. From now on, for the rest of your natural life, you're going to know that's what it's talking about. But that's not what it's talking about. Different trials, different testings, different hardships is what God uses to build us strong. And God wants you to be strong.